Good morning. Yeah, with fellowship till the end of the day, I think. How's everybody doing? So good to see all of you. Hallelujah. What a beautiful spirit in the church today. It's nice to see some of our pastor and elders that are back. We've missed you so much. They're well in Jesus' name, amen. I know we have a lot of the yucky sickness running around again, but it's just so good to see some faces back that's been gone for a minute. How many just feel good? Like just refreshing, amen. Isn't the presence of the Lord just so amazing that way? So glad that all of you are here today. Let me open up with prayer and we'll get right into our message this morning. Father, I thank you today for already what you have done in this room. God, that your presence is so rich and real and wonderful. And we thank you, God, for what you've already done in our hearts. Keep moving, Holy Spirit. Keep speaking. Keep healing. Keep touching. Do what only you can do, Father God, for the remainder of this service. Father, we love you. We're always careful to give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. All right. Well, hey, we are on week three of Why Pray. And if you've missed any of the teachings, I just encourage you to jump online. You can listen to them free on our YouTube or our podcast. And really, honestly, it's so good to hear a whole message in its entirety because it just links it all together. Those of you that have been here, have you enjoyed the messages so far? They're very challenging. Week one, we talked about the power of God, that what reason why we pray is because we need God, God's power to move. Last week was very challenging, I believe, even for me personally, is that we need to pray to have courage to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today, my message on why we pray, and I'm real excited to bring just biblical principles about why we need to pray on this particular area, and it's on the spirit of unity. I believe and we know that God wants the church to be unified force because when we come together with one mind and one heart, we literally can break the gates of hell, amen? And we have never lived in a more divisive time, at least in my lifetime, than I've ever seen right now. You know, going back to the very beginning, and I hate to rehash stuff because I believe God has moved us on, amen. But something as a pastor in this season of what we've gone through in the local church and in the world is it has brought so much division and segregation in many people's lives. And especially in the church of Jesus Christ. And I believe truly that has been an Assignment of the enemy because if the enemy can divide he can conquer and whenever he segregates he has control over and we literally went from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing to where brothers and Christians can sisters can barely come into the same church and worship together because of the different things that we believe in. Now, prior to COVID and all of the stuff that we've gone through, we had different belief system denominations, whether you spoke in tongues or didn't speak in tongues, or whether you ran around the church like a Pentecostal crazy, or whether you were a conservative. So we've always had division in the church, but it's nothing like today. And I know this has been a setup of the enemy because the great harvest is coming. The church is going to shine like it's never shined before. So the devil's like, oh, yeah? The glory of God's going to rise? Well, I'm going to try to knock the Christians off their pedestal, and I'm going to divide them in any way that I can divide them. 
and it happened. It happened in the political realm, whatever side you were red or blue, you know, whether you were want to be vaccinated or don't want to be vaccinated. You know, I mean, I don't even remember them all. I have to write them down. But social injustice, do we say too much? Do we not say enough? There's all these things now that we look across the room and we can find divisiveness and we can't even come together in worship with the way God called us together in our faith. Church, listen, we've got to put the way we see things differently behind us. Because God is in charge of the world. God is in charge of the government. God is in charge of the economy. And I know we want to get in all the business. But listen, at the end of the day, God sits on the throne. And the Christian's job is to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, come together in the unity of the faith. If you believe different, if you voted different, I love you anyway because we have Jesus. We've got to put that behind us, amen, and say no matter what, I'm going to love you unconditionally and we're going to walk together the way that God called us to walk together. Amen. I don't want you to raise your hands because I probably don't want to know the answer. But how many of you in this room has heard criticism about your church? Don't raise your hand. Because I am pretty sure every hand in this room would be raised. Why? Because the enemy wants to make sure that there is divisive, critical spirit in the house of the Lord. And we've got to recognize that as an assignment of the enemy. And say, I don't care what you whisper in my ear. I don't care what you think about my pastor or how our church does things or how our church doesn't do, any, do things. I'm happy in Jesus. I'm happy worshiping my God. I'm busy winning people to Jesus. And I'm excited so you can't steal my joy. Amen. It's time to say, get behind me, Satan. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, I don't want it anyway. Amen. It's time to shake off our division. Come together united. Work together in one force. I'm telling you, the church of Jesus Christ is the strongest structure in the world. We are a force to be reckoned with. But the problem is we're all different directions. We're all fighting this, and I'm fighting that, where you're fighting this. Instead of coming together, if we could put all those things behind us, we could change the world overnight. I don't know if you guys remember, what was that show called, Duck Dynasty? Like all you Christians love Duck Dynasty. I don't even know if I watched an episode, but remember when he said, that the station said, you're not allowed to say the name of Jesus on the show anymore? And they said, if you do, we're going to pull you off our network. And he said, well, I'll never stop saying the name of Jesus. That's why we're on the show. And so you know what? That station pulled Duck Dynasty off. Now, you may have not known it because guess why? It only lasted 24 hours because the Christians rose up. And they said, we will stop watching your station if you don't have Duck Dynasty on it and let him say the name of Jesus. It wasn't about a denomination. It wasn't about your belief system. They said they deserve to be on, G on TV and they should say the name of Jesus. And that got so much attention that they put that show back on that network. That's the force of the church, guys. That's what we can do when we come together, break denominational boundaries, unless it's sin and they don't believe in Jesus and all that. You know what I'm saying. But put everything else behind us and come together. And when we do that, we are unstoppable. Amen. When we are divided, we're weak, we're diluted, and we're ineffective for the kingdom of God. 
I have an illustration I'm going to do in a few weeks, but as a pastor, when you're trying to pull people to the vision to follow Jesus and everybody's pulling against you in different directions, you are ineffective. We're fighting an endless war unless we all get into alignment and say, forget about everything else. I don't care. Let's go take this city for Jesus. Let's get a harvest that is ready. Let's touch lives. Let's see miracles like baby Lily. Let's see what God can do when we come together for the gospel's sake. Amen. I love that. If we don't, I don't have it this morning, but Ephesians 4, if you want to study the chapter, is talking about the unity of the faith. And he's saying we need to come together. We need to come together in the unity of faith, in the bond of peace. That means we're getting along. We're not fighting. We're not gossiping. We're not coming against the local church. We're bonded together. The Bible says there's one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, and God is in it all. Amen. So awesome. So we're going to look at some scriptures about Paul, and we've been praying about so that he would pray so that God's will would be done in a situation. So let's look again in Romans 15, and we're going to start in verse 5. And we're going to show the power of the unity of Christians when they come together. It says in verse 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement. How many want to praise God for that? I've got some encouragement. I, encouragement, I want God to give me some strength. That's all good, right? There's a benefit in that. But he says, with that, I also want to give you the same attitude of mind towards each other. So it's not that, God, I need encouragement. Remember, God, it's about me, me, me. No, I need to come together and pray so that we have the unity of the same mind towards one another that Jesus Christ had. What does that mean? He's saying the same way that Jesus loves you, you're to love other people. The same way Jesus thinks about you, you're to think about other people. Amen. The same way that Jesus treats you is the same way we should be treating one another. We shouldn't be fighting on Facebook. And I think the wars kind of settled down a little bit, thank God. But we shouldn't be warring, should we? We shouldn't be trying to make our point known and, and our opinion known. We should be saying, no, we're going to come together, and I'm going to love you like Jesus loved you. And I'm going to treat you with value and respect the way that Jesus treats me. So let's keep going on into verse 6. Why? So that with one mind and one voice, what is that? That's unity. One mind and one voice that you may glorify God. Why does God want the church to come together? So that we give glory to God. A church that is biting and divisive and angry all the time and gossiping and complaining is not bringing glory to God. The world looks at the church and thinks, you are a hot mess. Why would I want to come and join a community of people that are fighting more or just like the world is fighting? We need to come together so we can glorify God and say, man, they may not agree in every point, and they may not really like other things, but they come together in unity. They love each other anyway. They support each other anyway. They give generous to the church to reach the community. That's the force of the church. Why do I pray to have the same mind so that we may glorify God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ? Verse 7 says this, Accept one another, then just as Christ has accepted you, in order 
to bring glory and praise to God. Now, I want to look at that word accept there because understanding deeper what that means. But that word, when it says to accept one another, it means to receive each other. It means to grant someone access to your heart. It's not just about coming into the church and having a good church service, smiling and doing our one minute of fast fellowship, but receiving one another into our hearts. You're different and you think different and you have a different opinion. It's okay. I'm going to love you anyway. Amen. It means that we, we, we take each other by the hands, that we're touching one another, that we bring each other into our homes, that there's a kindness with one another. Listen, they were fighting over all kinds of stuff back in the Bible days, whether they should eat meat, whether they shouldn't, whether they should be circumcised, whether they shouldn't. It's a different scenario, but it was still a battle going on in the church. And he says, listen, accept one another. Love one another in the unity of the faith so that God can begin to have glory in this world. And that's the only way it's going to happen in this season, I promise you. And I want, want you to look because as Paul is saying this prayer, I want you to love one another, Jesus said the same prayer. So let's look at John chapter 17, and it says this. Jesus prayed this prayer. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. 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 In the faith, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. How is the world going to receive Jesus if we don't love one another? How will they want our message if we aren't being gracious to each other, loving and kind and accepting? We show God's love by loving each other. And embracing one another. Amen. So if Paul prayed this way, and if Jesus prayed this way, how much more should we as Christians be praying for the unity of the church? We need to be praying that. And that's a big prayer. We're talking about powerful prayers. Praying big prayers that only God can do. We need the church to say, we're going to start praying for the unity of the church of Jesus Christ. I hate when pastors get on television and networks and start blasting pastors about what they should and they shouldn't be doing and how we should run our church because all it does is tell the sheep that something's wrong and divisive in the house of God. I hate that. We need to let pastors be pastored and live what they're called to do, their assignment on their life. We're not called to look like one another, thank God. We have an assignment from God, and we need to be able to freely live that assignment without the church judging one another what each little sector should and should not be doing. That is a divisive spirit from the enemy. Amen? We need to love our church. So let's keep going. That you may be one, verse 23, so that you may be brought into complete unity. Did I read all that? We'll just read it again because it was good. Then the world will know. Then the world will know that you sent Jesus. Amen? God came so that we would represent his power and his, a unit, and his unity. And that's important to God, isn't it? What we need to know is in the body of Christ that we have each other's back. There's something about knowing that no matter what the church is going to face and what's going on in the world, that when I look behind me, I see an army of believers that's got my back. That no matter what, it's like that little bully that can show up at school, but big brother showed up behind him. And he may not even know they're there. And he doesn't understand that the, the enemy's backing down because the bullies or the big brothers has, the, has their back. We need to have each other's back. 
And instead, we're shooting arrows in each other's back. We're like, eh, like a horror movie, ready to just, I'm going to prove my point, and I'm going to be right, and I've got to be validated. And we're hurting each other instead of building each other up in faith and encouragement and in love. Amen? And so when we come together, the enemy hates that common mission. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And what does he want to do? He wants to steal the power of the church. Why? Because we are a force to be reckoned with. We can change the world in a day when we come together and we say, you know what? We're going to be about Jesus and about his power and about his demonstrations and quit arguing about the Greek and the Hebrew and feed me more pastor because I need to go deeper. No, you don't. There's this big argument going on on TikTok, you know, and I try to stay out of most of it. But, you know, it's like, how do we say the name of Jesus? Should we say it, how Yeshua, or should we say it, Jesus? Is there power? You know what? Just say the name of Jesus. Because some of us ain't even saying that. So instead of fighting about how we're going to say it, just start saying his name. And not in profanity. Start declaring, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And God, if I got it pronounced wrong, you know what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying? People are trying to go so deep. And trying to argue about stuff that is irrelevant to the kingdom of God. All I got to do is say, Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed my marriage. Jesus set me free of drugs. Jesus gave me my joy back. I don't know it all, but I know what Jesus did in my life. Let me show you that Jesus. Amen. And the devil hates that unity. And that's why I've been going back to the fundamentals of our faith. Because the deep things don't matter right now. I'm hearing more and more pastors say that. I didn't even know that. Go back to our founding principles. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love others as you love yourself. And if we can be about that as the church, you won't get people in this building. You won't do it. Why? Because people are looking. The world is looking for hope. The world is looking for unity. There are denominations that aren't even sharing the true gospel that are more unified than the Christian church of Jesus Christ. We need to come together, amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So how do we pray for unity or why do we pray for unity? Number one, because we desperately need each other. We need each other. We need the community of the church. Sitting home for that time that people stayed home and segregated and alone and depression and the suicide rate went so high. We need each other. I'm so excited because God opened up a door, and I've been praying for this opportunity for a long time, but my heart is for senior pastors' wives and coming together, uh, leading ladies is what we, I call it. And I hosted our first prayer meeting on Thursday in my office with senior pastors' wives. And listen, they are in a five-mile radius of us. And you know why? Because we need to be unified. I'm not about trying to build faith builders. They're not trying to build. No, we need, I need my sisters in the faith. I need to know what they went through. It blessed me. When I heard their struggle, I'm like, man, I went through that too, so we're all okay. We're going to get through on the other side, amen. And I believe that thing's going to grow because God is calling unity together. Why? Because I need each other. Somebody sitting in this room needs your story and your experience. You may not be able to share it eloquently, but you can share your story. You can share your experience. We need each other, amen. Paul said to the Romans um, in Romans 12, 5, he said, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. 
That means I need you. You may come in and sit in, the, sit in the back or wherever and say, I don't really feel I'm significant. You're needed in the body of Christ. You play a part in the grand scheme and the picture of what God is trying to do. And when you're not here, something's missing. If the enemy can get you divided and pulled away, something's missing because there's a body that has to function together. Now, I want to share this with you. Unity is not uniformity. You don't want a bunch of Barb Pruitts running around, I promise you. <laughs> Angels work overtime on me all the time. This is the beauty of the church. You're all different. You look different. You were raised different. There's different function as who's who you are. And God hasn't called us to line up like little matchy-matchy people. There's somebody that you can reach with your story and your look and what you've gone through and experienced that I could maybe never reach. There's places God can take you in the business, in the marketplace, into communities that I could never have an opportunity to share Jesus, but you can. And if we try to change that structure, we're missing the whole biblical principle of the word of God. I love that our church is so diverse. I love the multiculture in our church. And with that, it has its challenges because we all think a little differently. And that's okay. Take who you are, mesh it with the word of God, and be that person. Amen. You don't have to change. Be who you are. I'm the same girl I was preaching in the mirror at, at seven that I am today, a grown woman preaching in the church because I stay true to who I am. I am who, who Barb Pruitt is, but I allow God to come in it. Amen. So there's strength in diversity. There's strength in diversity. Amen. There is power in that. And with that diversity and differences, we can reach different people. Hallelujah. For me as a pastor, I have tried, I have tried hard not to speak against other churches. I'm not saying I always got it right. But I know I've been online many times where I've seen pastors in the scroll saying, you know, our church is doing this and your church should be doing that. You know, if you're not doing this, you're not having revival. If you're not, and put us in all these boxes. And that brings such a frustration to my heart. Because God created 12 tribes in the tribe of Israel. And they all had different functions according to their purpose. Quit worrying about whether the church should be doing that or doing that. Find the tribe you belong in. Get in it. Get happy and start excelling with who God's called you to be. Amen. I don't want to be a church that I'm not called to be. I have a responsibility to be and do who God's called me to be and do. And you can pray for your pastor. I need ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. And I want to do the will of God. But my responsibility is to this house and not to worry about what everybody else is doing. Amen. we got to stick to our assignment. Quit worrying about what's happening inside the church and just be who God's called you to be. You know, I would rather err on the side of being for something than against it. Amen. I'd rather err on being, hey, I'm going to be all for this church than constantly listening to all the garbage that's trying to divide churches. It's been the enemy's scheme since I've been in ministry for a long time and I'm sure many, many years before that. It always starts with division, and we have to fight for that. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. All right, let me keep going so I don't get all wound up here. Something we have to realize, I think, as the Christian church, especially in America, we've been very spoiled with the presence of God. 
I mean, we have a nation, and I know it's going through, it's shaking, and I believe God is shaking. I believe God is shaking the church, amen? I believe God is doing something very special. But there are people around the world that are dying for Christ, literally laying down their lives. When Afghanistan happened, the whole world lost their mind. Whether they were for it or against it, and I'm not here to talk about politics, but I'll tell you what I begin to find out. Where are the Christians in Afghanistan? Where are the Christians? What's going on with them? Are they rattled? Are the missionaries, they're shaken and fearful? What's going on? And I begin to contact pastors who knew missionaries, and they said, we're not afraid at all. We are called to this. We are anointed for this moment. And when fear came into Afghanistan, the church of Jesus rose up and said, we're going to go into all the territory and we're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it costs us our lives, that's what we're here for. And yet the church of Jesus in America is trivial over all kinds of baby stuff. Not saying we're going to have to lay our lives down, but where's our connection to the word of God to recognize this divisive spirit in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, amen? There's beautiful Christians everywhere, Japan, China, underground churches still today. When they get a Bible delivered, they kiss that Bible, they kiss it and they hold it and they cry because they don't get access to the word of God. And yet you can see how the enemy has come and brought so much garbage into the local church, that we have to be willing to put that aside. Amen? Amen? Love one another unconditionally. All right, number two. Hallelujah. Number one was because we need each other. Number two, because the world will see the love of God. The world will see the love of God. I want to look at Romans 15 and this beautiful um, imagery of what Paul said. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Why? To bring praise to God. That word accept, remember, means to grab hands, to walk with one another, to lock, walk aside one another. And I, I want to do this illustration with you, and I'm going to have Tracy come on up here. She doesn't know I'm doing this, but I'm going to have her come up here with me. <laughs> Tracy, get up for Tracy, everybody. <laughs> okay, so we're going to stand right here. Ready? We're going to stand right next to me. Yeah, let's go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, give it up for Tracy. Turn around. Give it up for Tracy, everybody. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get ready. One, two, three, four. Okay, stop right there. You can stay right there. All right. All right, so ready? I was afraid when I picked her, she might, she's really strong. I was afraid she was going to throw me the other way. Ready? Let's try it again. Okay. All right. I want to show you something here. Did I ever give her instruction what I was doing? Not once. And when we walked together, there was no resistance. She followed me. She followed right. She might have been thinking, Pastor Roy, what are we doing? Right? <laughs> what the heck? But she followed me because there was no resistance. Now, did I have to tell her to resist me? She automatically resisted me. Why? Because when we walk together, it's instant unity. You may not understand where we're going or what we're doing, but we're walking together. But the second you allow a divisive and a resistance to what God's doing in your agenda, automatic human response is, I'm going to resist you too. We've got to stop resisting. Give it up for Tracy. 
I really thought she was going to go deep on that one and push me really hard, but she was great. Why? Because human nature is if you're coming at me, I'm coming at you. But if I'm walking together, I'm accepting you. I'm holding your hand. I may see a little different, but we're going to walk in the unity of the faith. We're going to take territory. We're going to win people to Jesus. We're going to give generously to the kingdom of God. We're going to labor where we need to labor. If we want to put fresh water wells, we can send missionaries for fresh water wells. If we want to raise money for Bibles, we can raise $100,000 for Bibles. Why? Because we are walking in unity. I'm not worried about all the other garbage. I'm coming together to reach a city for Jesus Christ and a hurting and broken world who needs to see the church coming together. And that gives what? Glory to God. The church says, man, uh, the world says, I see all that they went through, but they still love each other. I see the diversity in this church, and they still worship together. You think the world doesn't see that? They see that. They see us coming together. And what will happen? The reputation of the church will change. Wow. It will change. No longer will we be fighting one another. But the world will say, whoa, I see God's love. I see God's forgiveness. I know, I know what they're, I may not know what they're for, but I sure know what they're against. And that is the enemy. And that is divisiveness. Amen. And that is division. This is something I was given many years ago, and I want to give this wisdom to you, but it says this, allow two younger people into your life that you can speak into. We should be speaking wisdom into the younger generation. We should be guiding them and directing them and giving them hope. Have two peers who walk alongside of you and invite two older, more wise voices that can speak into you. If you don't have a wise person in your life speaking into you, you're missing out. I'm so thankful for the wisdom of the people, not only my parental guiding, my parents and, and my pastoral covering, but also these gifted people around me. I don't know that I could walk in all the right choices if I didn't have them alongside of me. I, I put this on, I Twitter a little bit. Is it called tweet? I tweet a little bit. Not a lot, but I said a tweet the other day that if your mentor doesn't make you mad, get a new one. Because they're not challenging you. They're not that iron sharpens iron. Get somebody who makes you a little mad. Why? Because it's going to make you think about it. And it's going to challenge you. And it's going to make you stronger. I would never have the resistance in my life. But I didn't have some people that spoken to me that things made me mad. And that challenged me a little bit. Amen. All right. Let's look at what Jesus said in John 13. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How are we known? By our love. It was an old 80s song. Remember that song? Um, you're known by our love, by our love. Does anybody know it? Anyway, I don't attempt to sing because I do not have a voice. If you love one another, amen, not about right doctrine, not about the style of worship, not about which version of the Bible you preach from, if you love one another. And this is a big prayer to pray, amen. All right, we need each other, right? Why do we pray for unity? We need each other. Two, we need the world to see God's love. Number three, because we can infinitely do more together. And I've talked a lot about this. We can do more together than when we're apart. Amen. If you look at the attitude of the first century church, they had no church buildings. They did not have a TV ministry. 
They didn't have fundraising campaigns. What did they have against them? Massive persecution. Persecution. It wasn't just a mean post on Facebook that people were talking about the church and pastors. It wasn't just a rally of people that had some mean things to say and tried to pull people out of their church that they love. It was persecution. It was things that they were having to lay their lives down for. But you know what? This small, passionate group of Christians that came together, that were empowered by the Holy Spirit, put the gospel all over the world. It only takes a small community to come together. We will not probably have to die for our faith. Probably not. I don't know, but probably not. But just a little persecution that you'll get or the resistance because you share Jesus. So important, amen? We may not believe everything, but boy, when we come together, we stand together. We're united in the faith. This world can be changed. Acts 4.32 says, all the believers were in one heart and one mind. They were unified. This is not just my idea. This is God's way, amen. No one claimed, this is so powerful, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Think about that. That's some deep, crazy love for one another. You know, obviously people made doctrines of it and cults of it. You know, the one purse, I don't know if you've heard of it. And, you know, everybody works and you put your money and the pastor gives you a portion. Obviously that's out of control. That's not what was happening here. What they were saying was, we have so much heart for what God is doing. We're going to give you everything. We have so much love for the unity of what's happening. We're going to give it all and you just put it where it needs to go. That's crazy love, amen? But that's the family of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, um, verse 33, and God's grace was so powerful at work in them all, listen, that there were no needy persons among them. This is the church. The church of Jesus can eradicate starvation today. The church, if we came together. I'm telling you, change the world in a moment. They had no needs met. Single mothers in this house, it'd be wonderful if they never had a need met. Never had a, people that need housing, we could be able to take care of it. Imagine what the church can do. It's not about generosity just to build the church. It's about reaching people for Jesus. That's where generosity comes from, amen. And God's grace was so powerful that there was no needy persons among them. Amazing love. Think about the skeptics that were watching on, Amen how the Christians treat each other, how they were loving one another, forgiving one another, taking care of their own. What a beautiful thing. And how generous the church is. I see these young guys on TikTok and they're in other countries. They're young. I don't even know if they're Christians. But they take money on their TikTok account. They have like a pay, not pay, pay, but one of those money accounts. And they are literally in these um, poverty areas and they're getting women off the streets and getting them little homes. And they're putting businesses together and giving them little storefronts. And I'm like, that's what the church of Jesus should be doing. We should have hundreds of thousands everywhere in the community showing God's love. That's what the church should be about. When God blesses this church ridiculously, we will be about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe this strongly. The world is sick and tired of just hearing about the love of Jesus. They want to see it. I only have two hands. I only have two feet. But with all of us combined, what we could do for Jesus coming together. Amen. 
This isn't about what I can benefit. It's about others. The strongest force in the world is the local church. Alex, you can go ahead and come on up. Some things I was looking at as I closed this morning, literally the church, if we came together, and I said this earlier, starvation could be eliminated from around the world. And I know there's always going to be needs among us, but what a great goal to go, I'm going to make sure they aren't. What a great goal for the church to say, no kid in this city will go hungry. No orphan on the street, which there are hundreds of them, by the way, that have no housing at night because there's no home for them anymore because nobody can pay to keep up with the house so it stays up to code. Where's the church? Why isn't the church there taking care of these little orphans? Why don't they have a, a safe bed and warm food? Why? Because the church is too busy fighting and coming together for causes in our city. Every person would have healthy drinking water, amen. Every medical need could be met. The orphans would be under care. Everyone who has lived would know about Jesus. And then the church could come together and worship him because we're doing what God's called us to do, amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you today that, Lord, you are raising this church up for such a time as this, God. And, Lord, I thank you that you are knitting this church together in the bond of unity, in the bond of faith, Father God. That, Lord, our purpose is to reach this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our hearts is to touch and to change lives and, and to display the love of God in a way that is so generous and so amazing, Father God. And I pray, Lord, that any place in their hearts where the enemy has brought discouragement, has planted the seed of divisiveness, Lord, I ask that you uproot that in the name of Jesus. Anything that has kept them away from the house of the Lord, whether it be shame, Father God, or anger or unforgiveness, God, I ask that you, that you knit them back into the body once again. That, Lord, this church, we're going to link our arms together no matter what we may not agree on outside. But we're going to come together with our arms and link, to, link together for the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters, Father God. And I pray, Lord, that our church would protect that unity. We would guard that unity, Father God. We would get one another's back. And we'll never allow divisiveness in any way to creep up into our hearts, Father God, into the areas that we serve and that we love in the name of Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life yet, today is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And I don't know where you're at, whether you're away from God, whether you're angry at God, whether you're just coming to him for the first time. It doesn't matter. We've all been in this place where we just need a Savior and a God to love us and a God to forgive us and to give us hope, give us joy and give us peace. And listen, Jesus is the only one that can do that. So I'm going to say this prayer together and I want all of us to say it together out loud so that we can have the courage to just make Jesus the Lord of our life today. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. So repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus... I'm asking you to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be all to me. Make my salvation strong and real and bold. And I receive that today. And Father God, I forgive anyone that has hurt me, the church that has hurt me, people that have hurt me. I let them go, and I receive your grace. In the precious name of Jesus, 
with all eyes still clo uh, closed and heads bowed. I'm not going to call you out, but if you said that prayer to this morning and you meant it with all of your heart, just to Jesus, lift your hand up all over this room, all over the thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, all over this room, thank you, thank you. Th I mean, they're just all of you. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you today. Lord, that those that have made a fresh commitment, a fresh love for your house, a fresh love for the people in the church, Lord God. Lord, we speak grace, grace over their hearts. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said amen and amen. Hallelujah. Listen, we have a Bible for you. If you gave your life to Jesus, make your way to the uh, courtyard at guest services. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and lead you into some discipleship. So I love you all so much. Let's welcome Pastor Paul back.